I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Docs of the Documentary Film Festival begins today, and because they're screening their entire program online, the films are available across the country. Cane Fire is a film by the director Anthony Banois-Simon. It explores the Hawaiian island of Kauai. Mr. Banois-Simon tells us uh, that his uh, family goes back four generations, beginning with his great-grandfather, immigrating from the Philippines to work on the sugar and pineapple plantations. As he tells us his family's story throughout the film, their heritage of labor activism and community, the story of the island itself is revealed. Whether it's through depictions in Hollywood films or family photos, we see the exploitation of workers, a colonial displacement, as well as the environmental destruction that tourism or real estate might wreak. A central setting in the film, uh, through its glory days during Hollywood's golden age through today when it shuttered, is the Coco Palms Hotel, an iconic tourist destination that is also one of the island's most sacred places. It's such a fascinating film because it's actually rather fair in its approach to telling the story. I'll ask Anthony about his film, about his own family story, and how he sees it turning out in the future, during the pandemic and past it. Anthony wasn't born there, but he has roots there, which uh, makes the film not only a very fine history, but an engaging personal story. Anthony Banois-Simon is a documentary filmmaker and editor. His work is screened at such venues as the Brooklyn Museum and MoMA PS1. His short film, Third Shift, won Best Documentary at the Brooklyn Film Festival in 2014. He is a member of the Spectacle Theatre in Brooklyn. Visit anthonysimon.net for more information and visit doxafestival.ca for tickets uh, for the film. Cane Fire, and all the other films this year screen until May 16th. Please uh, welcome to the Plant Online program, uh, Anthony uh, Banois-Simon. Mr. Banois-Simon, good morning. Hi, good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, Kauai, um, it's, it's such a beautiful place, and um, uh, it's a place that we seemingly have been familiar with because of Hollywood, obviously. But, you, but your family goes back, what, four generations? Is that right? Yeah, um, it started with uh, my great-grandfather. He immigrated from the Philippines to work in the sugar and pineapple um, industry, which was um, the main industry on the island at the time and the rest of Hawaii. Um, and he lived and worked in uh, the pineapple cannery specifically, uh-huh. and that's where the story starts for my family. Yeah, and, and um, gr- growing up there, uh, well, I guess you grew up in, the, in Seattle, is that right? That's right. I would. I grew up in Seattle. I would visit as a child. And, and so, how often would you go there? You know, I only went a few times as a child, and, and more times as an adult. Um, when I first visited, my great uncle Henry, who you see in the film, mm-hmm. it was his retirement party actually from being a truck driver um, for the for the company, the plantation companies. Um, so. You know, the sugar and pineapple industry was winding down at that point, um, and so I didn't quite uh, understand what was going on. I knew that he you know, he was shipping something, but I didn't know it was raw sugar cane to be um, refined in California, and that tourism was the main industry by the time I was visiting as a child. So so um, your great-uncle Henry, who you mentioned we see in the film, um, li- lived there, uh, worked there, uh, we see in the film, um, I guess, his grandkids, your your cousins, right? Yes, that's right. And so, so uh, um, 
Is that largely the the family that's left there for you? Yeah. Um, for my grandfather moved. Um, he was uh, he was uh, in the military. He moved from the islands at a young age, mm-hmm. and so it's really his brothers and their and their children that are left uh, on Kauai. And then I have um, another great uncle on Oahu, and then um, some more family on the Big Island, but mostly concentrated on Kauai. And, and for for them, for, for especially for, for for the people um, your age, um, your cousins, what what's life for them like? I mean, it's obviously very different than that of of um, um, of, of Henry's. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this is this is one of the great issues that you you bring up in the film is just how um, how, how tenuous it is for for people living there today. Um, that that it is unaffordable, you know. Then again, you know, life, you know, in, in big cities is affordable too. But but somewhere where one has has deep roots, um, that that is troubling. And it, was that one of the reasons why you made this movie? Yeah, it was, and it was really important for me to to try to include um, more generations of my family to show, you know, how things have progressed and how things have in some ways, you know, this are repeating and, and things are happening in loops. Um, you know, there was a, a kind of a success story with, you know, uh, my great-uncle Henry mm-hmm. being involved in the union and um, negotiating for land and, and, and basically for time, time in Hawaii, you know, basically created a middle class for uh, Asian immigrants residents that had come to work on the sugar plantations and you know that was something that um yeah was a success story and then eventually ran out uh with the sugar companies leaving and just uh, other things just left to the free market in hawaii and now with the uh service economy um being the number one industry it's much more precarious um and so now my cousins who are my age you know, are, yeah, are not don't have the same experience um, of, you know, a lot of you'll find a lot of families in Hawaii live, you know, multiple generations will live in one household because it's just the cost of living is just very extreme and yeah. it's only going up. I uh, even when we did the film, it's just gone progressively up and for multiple um, multiple reasons mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's um, you know it's. It is, uh, when I was looking at, because I've been living in New York for the last 13 years, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the um, the rise in, in, in real estate and seeing the parallel and struggles um, to my cousins, it was something that I was looking at and thinking about, you know, this uh, and how to articulate those things. Um, and then, of course, it's much more complicated with the Native Hawaiian community, mm-hmm. you know, if there's sovereign community has a different relationship to the land um, that doesn't involve, uh, you know, statehood laws of land ownership. It's a whole other dimension on top of that. Yeah, which is another fascinating part of the film that you uh, look at, the sovereignty movement. Um, mm-hmm. And and it all seems to come together, the, the, the labor activism of, of, of your heritage, say, um, your family's roots, and then and um, coming together. Um, this hotel on Kauai, um, 
it's a hotel that, that, that um, I think someone in the film describes it as one of the most famous hotels, I guess, in in in, in um, Kauai history. Yeah, I mean, that's how, what the tour guide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think um, anyone's going to challenge it. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it <could> yeah. Be. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so, so a bit of the film happens there, where, where it stands. And I mean, it, it, it's long gone now, but it, it's still roughly, it still stands there. It's, it's an important part of, of um, uh, Kauai history, obviously. And and um, um, the, the the movie's been seen in films, and and so I I, I struggle to, to describe the movie because it there are so many aspects that are, are worth talking about. But this place in uh, specifically, what was it like to film there? Yeah, the Coco Palms Hotel is a good kind of this place that has so many overlapping histories. It becomes it always uh, even when I was starting to film at an early stage, things would always center back to this location yeah. because you know you have with um, the days of uh, the Hawaiian Kingdom, this was a sacred place, um, the Wailua River, mm. that had temples, that had burials, sacred burials. And then when um, Hawaii became a territory and, and they began building uh, hotels, now it switched to um, this representation of, of this golden era, I guess they would call it, of Hollywood history of Elvis mm-hmm. and Dean Crosby and and South Pacific, um, very kind of a, a, a kitschy, you know, tiki uh, era of tourism, and on top of this site. And so um, I was first, uh, and so when I was uh, researching the Hollywood films, so many films were centered around that location. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was a, they have tours of the site, and it wasn't until later in the filming process um, that the uh, Native Hawaiian activists actually began restoring the land and occupying the, the space. And um, it's kind of when all, it seemed like the first time when, when this, uh, the conversations began overlapping, and, and I was watching something, something new happening on the island. And um, so, yeah, it, it really is a, a probably a, a, a vector, like the a center point of the yeah. film, for sure. Yeah, I mean, even if you're just a Hollywood buff, you like old movies. Um, it, it's a it's a fascinating place to think about. But then, when you think about um, Native Hawaiians and um, uh, those are, that are advocating for for uh, greater sovereignty, um, it, it, it's such a uh, uh, an amazing place to think about um, the history that goes back hundreds of years. Um, and and um, you see the um, the uh, the effects of colonialism and and statehood um in this one place uh, you know evoked as it is um that's another aspect of the film the injustice of uh, col- uh, colonialism um th- these people that you talk about who are who are r- r- rising up a- against it or, or advocating i should say for for um um a new way if you will um what was it like to talk to them about their struggle and, and about the issues that they're advocating for? Yeah, what I thought was powerful meeting with them is, you know, I've met with several um, different sovereignty groups that approach mm-hmm. it differently, some through um, a particular legal claim, you know, um, or a different government structure, like a 
the lawful Hawaiian government, for example, mm-hmm. is trying to model this uh, era of the constitutional monarchy. And um, with this group, what was interesting is they were kind of they were just demonstrating. First, they're calling attention to the history of this land by occupying it. So people are asking, well, what is what's going on? And then it gets people curious. And then showing, well, this is um, well, this is what's possible if you it really respects the island the way it was originally intended as this self-sufficient uh, way of life. There's the ahapua, they call it, where they divide sections of the land that go from the mountain to the streams, or so the mountain streams um, irrigate the taro crops, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go into the fish ponds. It's uh, a system that, you know, it's been around for thousands of years, and yeah. uh, calling attention to that, uh, you know, not quite a uh, complete, you know, back to nature idea, but but showing that that, that this idea can coexist. Um, you know, the things we, we've that they've learned uh, can, you know, we're at a point where we um, have to think more deliberately. You know, in Hawaii, there's a benefit of, of kind of ignoring climate change as much as possible, but you know, it's it's now front and center as something that has to be incorporated in, in the future vision of Hawaii, yeah. and so. Looking to them as this, um, looking at these older practices, these time, you know, time-tested practices, was something that was powerful. Yeah, and so, so the, the, the activists that, you, that are in the film, uh, they obviously have a, a view of, of um, what the land should be for, and then you also talk to say real estate developers or, or real estate agents, realtors, and um, they have obviously a vision. I mean. Um, one can see how um, both ideas can sort of coexist, but but it seems that one is prevailing over the other. Um, and so what do you see the future um, going to be like on Kauai? It seems like it's going to be uh, just a place for, for the rich to vacation there. Um, the, the middle class is hollowed out. Um, even service jobs are precarious at best. Um, what's it going to be like for your cousins? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a hard question. And when I was doing research, um, just historical accounts, Mm -hmm. I was drawn to this book called the autobiography of protest in Hawaii. And that was collecting oral histories from a diverse group of people living in Hawaii. But this was 1996. And really it's these same questions that we're asking now has kind of gone unanswered, and it's only being pushed further. Um, it's gotten, yeah, this it's gotten to the point where more and more land is is um, being used for this kind of luxury real estate or investment properties mm-hmm. um, for a kind of a new uh, a new like uh, stage that I mentioned in the film, where uh, like you say, it's I think that era of kind of middle class. Tourism, you know, that's uh, that's kind of its own thing. But this next phase of really pushing people out by make, by making these investments that um, you know bring the property taxes up mm-hmm. and and displace people, I think that's the next stage. That um, is like we mentioned in the film is is a breaking point because you're actually face to face with how little can someone you know be paid before they can actually stay on the island you know this uh in the service industry dynamic is being faced 
because so many people are living island are leaving the island who can't afford it, and especially people who are Native Hawaiian, Kanaka Maui, are leaving. And um, it's yeah, it's 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 at a kind of an unsustainable uh, phase, and, and obviously COVID um, throws a whole other loop into it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Very precarious right now. Yeah, and and even even middle class tourism. I mean, it, it, that that's. I mean, it's it's almost uninviting um, to, to, to middle class tourists from from all over the world because um, it, it seems like it's it's only a place for for you know billionaires to go to now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What um, you're a you're a filmmaker, and 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 obviously you and your colleagues who who made the film are, are interested in, in in film history. What was it like to go back and and see how um, Hollywood shaped um, what island life was like? I mean, you you mentioned earlier Elvis and and the South Pacific and Bing Crosby. Um, the depiction of um, what life is like there of, of, of um, natives and and um, those that live there. I mean. That casts a long shadow, doesn't it? I mean, it 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 lingers in 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 people's minds, you know, those of us who 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 aren't from there, but but people who are from there. I mean, it, it shaped their idea of themselves, didn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, that was interesting. To looking at the films at first glance, you kind of get the, you know, how they're dated, thanks to the racist stereotypes yeah, and yeah. sexism. Um, but I think what uh, the next dimension to it was the further research that, oh, they were actually more deliberate products, first with the sugar companies and as, you know, as PR to counter whatever yeah. um, accusations that, of their labor practices. And then when the U.S. was interested in using Hawaii as a military outpost and promoting tourism and pr- promoting statehood, them taking control of it to the Hawaii tour- Tourism Bureau and, and crafting the message of the of the films themselves uh, that made it more, uh, more interesting because you're seeing this very deliberate act that um, has a material impact. Like you say, it's 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 crafted um, it, it crafted the identity of the island. Um, you know, taking uh, creating a whole new genre to begin with, the South Seas fantasy, where it's taking you know. Um, Asian Hawaiian and Native Hawaiian um, residents, and just melding them into this exotic other, so that it's you know the story is more palpable and more digestible. It's this kind of just this exotic other place, and it really um, simplifying it in yeah, a way that I don't yeah. hasn't uh, fully been undone because people are you know are still perpetuating these myths. Um, yeah, it's. But the films, you know, there's there is a conflicted nostalgia for sure. Um, people growing up with them, it's it's if it's problematic or it's nefarious in its intent, it's still you know something that uh, people grew up with. And, and so we tried to kind of not completely divorce it or or no, or, no. or a um, you know claim that it 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 didn't exist. We kind of try to use it. Um, Almost in its original intent, and a way to also comment on it at the same time. It's yeah. kind of a tricky balance. Yeah, it, 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 that's one of the, the great things about the movie. I mean, there, there, there is a lot of stuff in here that you show that that's uh, racist, sexist. Uh, you know, make people cringe. But you, you put it in a context that, that I think um, 
is very valuable and um, important to, to, to know about. Um, the, the title of the movie, um, Cane Fire, uh, w- w- there was a movie with the same title by the director Lois Weber, is that right? That's right, yeah. And and it's one of these movies that, that's, I guess, lost. And so um, how, was there a great deal of research in terms of finding out what was actually in the movie and, and, and even just getting the stills and, and, and the sort for it? Yeah, it's still kind of a mystery. And, and it was one of the first things um, that propelled the project. And it made it easiest to kind of formulate um, in early interviews because you can say, oh, I'm looking for this lost film. You mm-hmm. know, it's a conversation starter. Um it was Lois Weber's last film. It was her first film that um, had talking in it. Um, you know, it was shot over a couple of weeks um, in one plantation in particular and then surrounding sugar and pineapple fields as well. And, um, you know, it was a film that uh, at first it seemed relevant uh, to find it or you know, to pull it apart more, but it became less and less um, about um, the film itself because it became clear that we weren't going to be able to find it, so you can kind of um, just use it as a framing device for the rest, you know, and, mm-hmm. and kind of imagine what it would be, you know, this climax that sense of the film censors at the time were so threatened by, kind of imagining what that would be and reinventing that, uh, climax of the cane fire through other other Hollywood films shot there. Um, yeah, I think the I think what's tricky and and you're just saying you're you know it, for people that are interested in Hollywood history or film history, there's kind of a tricky relationship because um, you know Lois Weber's is being rediscovered and she's made a lot of films that uh, are ahead yeah. of the time and 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 her you know really bold statements and I, I I think that you know whether through the editing or just you know reading the shooting script it just didn't seem like um, it had the thrust of her other films so I think there's a, almost a people are discouraged as film historians to find this film because it, it, it'll be a historical document as like plantation life but sure. as a melodrama it's I think people a lot of people see it as dated and, and not a good um uh, example of her work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, uh, this is such a fascinating uh, film. Um, I, I could talk all day with you about it. Uh, what's next for you? Well, um, <laughs> beyond you know week by week in our pandemic life, um, what would be nice is to finish uh, a short documentary that came out of the filming of Cane Fire. Um, the side of the story that. Um, it's very complicated, and we originally had in the original film, but just it just needs its own separate film. Uh-huh. Was um, when the sugar and pineapple companies when they began sh- transitioning into uh, tourism, uh, you know, starting hotel properties yeah. and that they did also um, lease land to the biotech industry uh, in in place of sugar and pineapple production. So. You know, we're talking about Monsanto and mm. um, Dow Chemicals and Syngenta. And so when you look at Hawaii, basically um, any sort of, like, large agricultural um, 
industrial agriculture, commercial farming that's left is going to be these companies. And it's brought a whole new list of, of issues that, to the island. Um, there's open-air pesticide testing that's infecting uh, health, the health of residents on, the, on Kauai as well as, you know, and harming the environment on top of that. Mm. And so it's looking at it. There have been a few films about this topic, but I think um, what I'm most drawn to is the kind of long-term archival uh, exploration of, oh, these companies have actually been around for quite a long time, and, um, you know, this kind of disregard for the health of the workers is something that's been carried on from the sugar industry, you know, just carrying pesticides on your back and spraying, you know, without any sort of protocol, and... Um, looking at, at that and, and how the companies have kind of used the um, culture, plantation culture, to kind of explain uh, what, how they fit and how they're a continuation of sugar and pineapple uh, on the islands, even though they're these companies that aren't even based in Hawaii. So yeah. that's something that we're trying to finish uh, the edit on. Well, that just sounds fascinating. And, and after watching Cane Fire, I'm a, I'm a fan of your work. Um, oh, thanks. It's it's not just a beautiful movie; it's an important one, and and I urge people, um, not just here in Vancouver uh, through Doxa, but but across the country now because of of the way that um, the films will be available to to see Cane Fire. I so appreciate your time today, um, Anthony, and and congratulations and, and continued good luck with the movie. Oh, thank you, Joe. Yeah, happy to join. The websites for more are anthonysimon.net and of course doxafestival.ca for tickets to Cane Fire which screens uh, beginning today through to May 16th. Anthony Banois-Simon, join me from Brooklyn, New York, in Vancouver. I'm Joseph Plunto.